0: Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone, today I'm joined with Christina Curran, and she is my resident psychic medium. Yes, she is. And she is back because I have more questions and I need her answers. So welcome to the show, Christina.
1: Thank you so much, Leslie. It's such a privilege and such an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You are welcome and thank you for just being available to me whenever I want because 4 a.m. text messages probably aren't that fun for you, but you know what? That's okay because you love me. I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so today we are going to dispel some myths and explain some things, or at least you are, and at least some of the things that I know about and know kind of ring true to me. So we're going to talk about demons We're going to talk about Ouija boards, dowsing rods, tarot cards, all of the above. What exactly are ghosts? What are evil spirits? What do fairies have to do with all of it? Let's just start talking. So let's talk about demons first, Christina, and let's dispel some myths, and then we can keep going from there.
1: Sure. So my first experiences in my life with demons probably was when I was growing up in the Southern Baptist Church. Right. Um, Yeah, as you can imagine— I've seen a lot of hellfire and brimstone types of sermons, and very often there was mention of demons and the demonic realm within those sermons. Mm -hmm. Um, Anything, according to the Southern Baptist Church, that did not deem within the realms of the Bible, they considered demonic. Mm -hmm. So anything that goes bump in the night, it's a demon. Um, Anything that presents itself as a ghost isn't really a ghost, it's a demon trying to deceive you. Yeah.
0: I know. And you know, hey guys, not to pick on the Southern Baptist or anybody. It's just that's that's what she was taught. So she's just explaining, you know, her experience. So keep going, Christina.
1: Right, right. So I would say that probably when I was a young child was when I started having some paranormal experiences for myself. I started seeing some things that I didn't quite understand. And that kind of persisted into my teenage years. And I think My mother probably, at least from my understanding, my mother has similar gifts as I do. My mother could see death and she always kind of had the ability to know when people were about to die. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah. And you know, and that stuff does carry down, doesn't it? I mean, you actually can attain that DNA from from a parent or or a grandparent, that kind of thing, can't you?
1: That's right. Absolutely. Mediumship, psychics, that type of gift tends to kind of carry down through, you know, the ancestral lines, for sure. And especially through the females of the family.
0: So, but when it comes to demons, like, and I don't know if really the better name for them is evil spirits. Although, to me, that's a whole different thing. So, because to me, demons, hey, they're from hell and all that. So tell me what you, tell me if they even exist, and maybe what they could be if they did exist.
1: So, again, I believed in demons up until I was in my 30s. Wow. And once I, once I really started working with my guides and deconstructing some of my old beliefs in terms of religion, and again, like Leslie said, I'm not knocking organized religion. This is just purely from my experience. I had a lot of trauma wrapped around my church experience. Right. So basically, my guides sat me down after a period of time, after I really started working on some of my religious trauma and trying to release those things. They finally sat me down and they said, okay, are you ready finally to talk about Satan? And hell and demons oh my gosh! and I was like well what do you mean <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're real so. aren't they and they kind of is gave that, me this look like are you sure about question. that are you sure that they're real <laughs> yeah so once I sat down with them they started telling me all right so you already know that hell is not a real place they said let's think about this and all of the readings that you've done has anyone ever talked about being in hell and I said no. And I had done some readings where I pulled some spirits forward that could probably be considered like low level earth entities. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I have never gotten the impression from any spirit that I have done a reading from that there is a hell. I believe that there's something similar to hell over there, but it is not at all what we understand it to be from what the church has taught us. There is no fiery pit that consumes all of our souls, that, you know, burns us all alive for all of eternity. That's just not what exists over the, on the other side.
0: Because if I were to interpret that the way that maybe some other religions do, you're not redeemable you're just there for eternity. And that's what bothered me about it. And that to me doesn't ring true. Because if God loves us or whatever, and I hate to bring religion into this, but this has to do with religion, then how can he just let you go and let you burn for eternity? You know, I don't care what you did. You know, I couldn't do that to my own children. How could he do it to us when he supposedly loves us even more than we can fathom? So that's where I had a problem with it. That was like, you know, and people keep asking, What exactly do you think demons are? And we touch it here and there on some of our podcast episodes, but I'm just like, you know, let's just get into this. So they sat down, they said, it's not what we think. Okay, keep going.
1: So, in terms of hell, I think that the lower astral and the astral plane in general has layers to it and levels. Right. And I think that the lower astral on the other side is the closest thing that we can liken to hell, but there is no fire. Um, my guides have always said that if you go to the lower astral, what you expect to have in terms of your afterlife experience is what you will manifest instantly on the lower astral. Okay. So if you have a religious background where you believe that possibly because of what you've done within your life, you're going to burn in hell, you're going to experience burning in hell once you get to the other side. Oh, and really? Yes. Okay. You, okay. you will experience that until you finally come to a mental understanding that that's a construct, a mental construct that you've created within your own mind. And they say that every spirit eventually will come to an understanding that they were not right, that they were wrong that what they are perceiving is an illusion and that they can go home at any time that they choose wow
0: okay see i didn't realize that because i mean it makes sense i I don't i just kept thinking they'd just go to the lower astral and they'd kind of be alone and it would be a little scary and it would be kind of dark but it'd be like a forest like you said and you know but if they perceive it and they're just really thinking that's where they're gonna go i can see where their mind would take them there right i see that okay
1: And you've heard these stories, too, in terms of like near-death experiencers where they'll say that they had a very Christian background prior to going into that experience. And many of them will say, I saw Jesus. I saw this you know, place that looked like the heaven that we were taught about in church. And my guides have said that this is because whatever our first impressions of the other side are, that is what we will manifest in some of our first moments once we get there.
0: You know, and that's I have heard a lot of that kind of talk. So, wow. All right. So glad we're talking about this because I don't think we've ever just really delved into this. OK, so demons, um, as far as you're concerned, they're not really something that we need to be worried about. They, they're they not real. But let's talk about the evil spirits. Tell me about that or the dark spirits.
1: So I think that you could probably liken them to certain types of elementals. Um, And when I say elementals, there are earth spirits that represent the elements. Um, They represent earth, fire, wind, and water. And from my understanding from my guides, those spirits, if they have direct contact with humans in some capacity, that interaction can warp their energy and almost dement their energy. Um, I won't pretend that I understand every single, you know, little in and out about how that occurs my understanding probably is people probably think that they're having an encounter with like a fairy and it's really not a fairy. It's some sort of, you know, elemental energy that should not be interacting with humans. And I think that because of that human interaction, again, it will dement and warp their energy.
0: Well, let me ask you this though, Christina, what starts that? What creates the evil spirit? Is it an elemental or is it maybe like, You know how tulpas are created for someone's just thought, like, you know, you think it's going to be, and it is, or poltergeists, where it's caused by people too. You know what I mean? So what causes all this?
1: I think portions of this is, again, like I said, a low-level earth spirit. Um, I think that is probably one of the most common things that people are encountering when they think that they're having a demonic encounter. In terms of evil spirits, I think that at least from what I'm hearing my guides say, I don't believe that anybody innately is born evil. I think that probably experiences that they've had mold and shape what their life experiences will be and how those things will unfold for them. I also believe that certain quote unquote demonic encounters are really like what you say, similar to like a tulpa type of encounter. Um, Something that I encountered in my Reiki practice when I first started doing sessions was I would see on certain clients, not everybody, but just some people, especially after the pandemic began. I started seeing what looked like this big, um, you've ever seen the alien from that movie Predator. Yes. I was seeing that type of being kind of attached in their auric field and I couldn't figure out why. And my very first go to was, oh, my gosh, they've got like a spirit attachment or something that I've got to take care of. When I started talking to my guides about it, they said, feel into the energy of what you're seeing. And when I did, it was all grief or it was all anger or it was all rage. It was like this concentration of one particular lower emotion had manifested itself into almost like this entity of sorts. Um, And truly, it wasn't a sentient being or a sentient entity. It was truly just a manifestation of their grief or a manifestation of their own pain from something that they were going through in that particular moment.
0: Well, what I can't wrap my head around, and what's so cool, though, is that we have this power, you guys. This is how powerful we are, that we can actually manifest a poltergeist or a tulpa, I think, I don't know if they're one in the same, maybe we can uh, describe those better. But we can actually manufacture those with our minds. So how come we couldn't maybe heal ourselves too with our mind, you know, with the Reiki or with, you know, frequencies or whatever. Mary Helen Hensley talked about that on the podcast I had with her. So what is the difference between a tulpa and a poltergeist?
1: So a tulpa, in my understanding, is When a collection or one particular person basically holds a belief within their own consciousness and that energy of that belief has to go somewhere. So usually that energy will form either some type of apparition because say, for instance, many people think that the Loch Ness monster is a Tulpa Okay. because so many people believe that there is a Loch Ness monster. Mm -hmm. Is it because there is the belief? Does that make it real? there's an argument to say that that could be, um, Dolores Cannon talks about how there are structures and buildings within our world that did not exist until we chose to go there. So is it that, yeah. So think about that in terms of your consciousness. Is it that those places have always been there or did they become created because we thought, okay, I've got to, you know, go do this or go do that. Or I want to go to this conference does that place then be created, you know, just in that moment when we decide that, you know, we want to go to these things. So yeah. our minds are very powerful, I believe. Yeah. And that kind of goes hand in hand with poltergeist and poltergeist activity. Okay. I think a lot of poltergeist activity centers around our teens and preteens um, that are going through puberty mm-hmm. because there's a lot of kinetic energy kind of swirling around that teen when they're going through those big changes. There's also what they're going through. It could also be likened to what we call a liminal state. They're kind of not in one place, but they're not in another either. They're kind of in the in-between, you know, they're not technically an adult, but they're not technically a child anymore. So these in-between states also tend to kind of pull this paranormal activity into our awareness. But I believe personally that poltergeist activity is a psychic manifestation of kinetic energy, Usually that teen or that person that's manifesting that energy usually has some anger that they're dealing with in that moment. And it's usually focused on a particular person that they have no ability to express those things to. For example, um, like when I was going through puberty, we had some poltergeist activity start in our home. Oh, really? Yeah, looking back now, I can see, okay, I think that that was partially the anger that I was carrying towards my mom and dad Mm. because of the abuse that I was experiencing. But I also think that that was partially my psychic gifts manifesting in my everyday reality. I was just
0: going to ask you, because do you think poltergeists typically happen with people that have gifts as well? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: yes. It's almost like poltergeist activity is like the spirit world's way of like having a coming out party basically for (laughs) you in terms of your gifts.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm sure your parents were thrilled. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. So let's talk about Ouija boards, dousing rods, tarot cards. I'm a little afraid of Ouija boards. I'm not going to lie, but you and several other people that I know and trust have said, you don't need to be afraid of Ouija boards. You need to know how to, work with a Ouija board. Is that
1: correct? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. 1000%. Okay. So in terms of Ouija boards, this has been my experience. Many people say, you know, don't mess with Ouija boards, be afraid of them. I was raised to be very afraid of them, right. yeah, <laughs> but in my yeah. usual way, you know, growing up, if I was told not to do something very often, um, I had to know why I shouldn't do that. (laughs) Right. I mean, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of Ouija boards, you know, I had complete knowledge that my mother told me, you know, there's demons that come out of that board, but I sure did play with an Ouija board a couple of times in middle school and into high school. Oh, wow.
0: Okay well, did anything bad happen? I mean, or was it just a oh it's not a big deal I mean, this was introduced in like the late 1800s as a parlor game. so you kind of go, all right, what is this? is this real? is it just but but to me, this is something you manifest as well. so we have powerful minds as I just said, you know, there's probably
1: power in this game as well. Well, I just think our intentions are so powerful in anything that we do and very often, you know, we hear so many people talking about having negative or scary experiences with the Ouija board. But if you ask those people, what was your intentions going into that? What did you want to gain? What did you want to learn from using that Ouija board? 99% of people will say, I just wanted to be scared. I just wanted to have a scary experience. And if you ask the universe to scare you, they will show up to that. <laughs> you know, and That's a they great will, point. They no, will show up yeah. to that.
0: Because it's usually a bunch of kids getting together, um, teenagers or young adults getting together, having some beer or wine or whatever, but doing things that they just want to scare each other. They want some excitement and whatever it is. And then one person believes it. The other person believes it. All of a sudden you got some full on haunting things going on and, and a board spelling out you're going to die. So of course that's scary but then what what happens is they don't know what they're doing and they invite something not great. And that's what we're talking about today. Those evil spirits or whatever you want to call them.
1: You want to think of like divination tools in general, whether it be a Ouija board, whether it be tarot cards, whether it be, you know, a pendulum dowsing rods. These are just a medium. These are just a tool that you use to communicate with the spirit world. So, what my advice would be in terms of these different divination tools. If you don't specify who you want to talk to going into that session, if you just go into it with this broad, you know, kind of intention saying, all right, well, let's see what spirits show up. That's never a good idea to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) you should always have an intention, a very clear intention of who you want to talk to, why you want to talk to them, what questions you want to ask them. And then you want to be very respectful in terms of your preparation for using any sort of divination tool. Um, You know, I do the same preparation if I'm using an Ouija board or if I'm using tarot cards. Basically, you just want to ground your energy and surround your energy in a shield of protection and then be very intentional in terms of, again, who you want to talk to, why you're talking to them, what questions you're asking and what specifically in terms of information you're trying to gain. If you get clear on your intentions and at any point in those intentions that you've set, if there's some sort of inkling that you're trying to be scared in that experience, again, the universe will oblige you in anything that you ask it.
0: (laughs) And and we've talked about this before. I mean, it it really is all about good intention or bad intention in this case. So, I mean, if you go into it with whatever intention you have, you will get it back is what you're saying to me. So,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've known people also that, In terms of Ouija boards, like I, I've had odd experiences with an Ouija board. And looking back, I think that there was probably a spirit in that space that moved the planchette and all that kind of stuff. But I've never had like, a horrifically frightening experience with an Ouija board. And I think it's truly because I've had all of these paranormal experiences throughout my life. But I also have an awareness that I need to be respectful. And I need to be intentional, just like I would if I was going to meet a friend out at a restaurant, right. you know, I'm going to tell him what time I'm going to meet you. I'm going to tell you, Hey, you know, this is what's been going on. Let's catch up with each other. Right. You know, I would be very intentional in, who I was going to be meeting. I'm not just going to show up at a restaurant and sit down at a table and, you know, say, all right, well, let me see if I can call some friends and see who shows up. Oh, I
0: know it was such a great point. Did you guys hear that? No, I'm
1: serious. That was such a good point.
0: So let me ask you this. What do you think about shadow people? I don't think I've ever asked you that.
1: Ah, oh, the shadow people. So I think I have two theories about shadow people. Okay. First, I think shadow people are the person that is seeing them. I think that that is their clairvoyance opening. And they just don't have an awareness that that's happening yet. Because in the beginning of my experiences, I saw a lot of shadow people. And once I started working with the teacher, she said, you're very clairvoyant, but you need to develop that. And as you develop that, these shadow people are going to start disappearing and they're going to start turning into apparitions. Oh, okay. And when I did the work, That's actually what happens.
0: Okay. So are shadow people just seriously just ghosts that are here, spirits that are visiting or people maybe that are attached to something?
1: Some, I think some of them are just regular entities that, you know, just pass in and out of our house. I think that many people, especially if you have an older home, there's usually a house spirit that's in that home that kind of guards that area. And very often, again, if your gifts are opening and you catch sight of that person passing through your home, it's going to look like a shadow person. Yeah, Um, Yeah, I think also a lot of people talk about like the top hat man, um, in terms of like a shadow person, Mm -hmm. he really has a Tulpa type of feel to me because I personally have never seen the top hat man.
0: Okay. Yeah. No, uh, to me too. Okay. So are there portals? I mean, you know, in every, okay. Yeah. I'm I'm just gonna let you talk. Go.
1: Oh, absolutely. So there are portals everywhere throughout a reality within our home, within, you know, the nature portion of our reality, there's portals everywhere. So I think that entities have the ability to enter in and out of our home, in and out of where we are in any given time. But again, like what we said, there's intention that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And if you set spirit boundaries in terms of if you specify, okay, if you say, for instance, are only comfortable talking to your spirit guides, you right. could say, all right, I'm only willing to talk to my spirit guides in my home at any given time. No one else is allowed in. Right. You can make those specifications, and your spirit guides will adjust according to who can enter and exit those portals within your home. Wow.
0: And you know what? While we're on the subject of spirit guides, let's tell my listeners what exactly are spirit guides? I don't think we've gone too deep into those. And why are they around us? And what can they do for us?
1: So, spirit guides are basically like your spiritual besties on the other side. <laughs> and
0: everybody has spirit. them, right? Everybody has them.
1: Yes. Everybody has at least one spirit guide, but most people have several. Okay. At least three or more. We usually have a main spirit guide. A teacher spirit guide. We usually also have a gatekeeper spirit guide. But basically, our spirit guides are people that have usually lived a specific past life or an incarnation with us in the past. Okay. Very often, they were either our good friends, they were our family members, distant family members, or acquaintances that we had during those particular lifetimes. Okay. And very often, they hold a specific skill set or knowledge base that we are going to need in our present incarnation. Okay. For example, um, I've got a spirit guide that was a Spanish conquistador oh, um, that's
0: so cool. and
1: he teaches me how to let go of fear. And when I asked him like, why exactly are you teaching me this? He said, because I being a Spanish conquistador, I kind of had to rush into these different battles and these different dangerous situations. I didn't have time to be fearful So I'm really good at kind of rushing blindly (laughs) into situations without fear. So I'm going to help you to to learn that. Okay. So that's just an example. Um, Our spirit guides are truly like our best friends in spirit that are just there to help us and guide us through our present incarnation on the earth plane.
0: Right. And because we have free will, we actually literally have to ask for their help, right? They they won't yeah. intervene unless we ask. So that's something that I, I want. Right. Because, you know, uh, let's say you're going to the doctor and you're really scared. You know, you can say, hey, guys, spirit guides, God, Jesus, whoever you believe in, you know, make me not so scared. And it's that intention and that asking. And sometimes you're flushed with that feeling of overwhelming ease, and you're not so frightened and whatever it is, you know, where, wherever you're going, it doesn't have to be the doctor. It could be anywhere that kind of frightens you and you're a little apprehensive about. Just ask them. You know, that's all you got to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Let me ask you this. What do you think about crystals? Those kinds of things. What
1: can, oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Let's talk
0: about so them. crystals.
1: My own Reiki teacher said something really beautiful about crystals that I thought was so beautiful. She said that crystals are quite literally the manifestations of our earth. Oh, wow. And I thought that that was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, crystals hold a specific frequency or vibration, depending on what type of crystal they are, but they lend of healing energies, depending on the vibration and the frequency that they carry. I love crystals personally. I work with crystals a lot in my Reiki practice.
0: Okay, so, and I don't know, on your website, do you like have a list of crystals that you use and work with so that people can kind of familiarize themselves with what is for protection or what is for, you know, manifestation, what is for healing, what is for sleeping or whatever it is. Do you have something like that on your website?
1: I don't, but I should. That's
0: a good idea, actually. <laughs> no, yeah. Be, be, well, it's just because, you know, I know a little bit about crystals. I know that black tourmaline is for protection and I know that, you know, amethyst is good for, I think, protection as well. Just a different kind. I don't even know. Um, it's one of my favorite stones. And I know like a, a quartz crystal is also for purification. I'm not even sure. See, I need that. I need your guide. So, you know. (laughs) So let's get
1: on that, Christina. I know. I'll have to get on that. In terms of like crystals, my rule of thumb with crystals that my own guides taught me was Go with what you are pulled to and what really calls to you in terms of crystals. Like one of my things that I do when I'm in a, a like a crystal or a metaphysical shop is I will buy what my eye really is grabbed at. Mm. So if there's a crystal that's really beautiful, very often, um, once I Google that crystal and find out what their healing properties are, it's usually something that I'm working on in my own life. Oh, wow. um, Or something that I'm going through. So that's really something that, uh, and the advice that I give in terms of crystals. If a crystal grabs your eye, look up the name of the crystal, find out what their healing properties are. Because Mm -hmm. usually it's something that you need in your life in that current time. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think they're beautiful. And I think when people work with them and uh, talk about them and maybe carry one with you or put one under your pillow or whatever it is, you know, hey, listen, it can't hurt. And if there is if there really is healing properties or you know something helps you sleep or something helps you feel more protected why the heck not Right exactly Yeah yeah okay. so before I close let me ask you this tell my listeners what they can expect from you because as I know and we talked about you're a psychic you're a medium but you're also a reiki master so if somebody wants any or all of those sessions from you what can you do for them what what all can you provide
1: Sure so I have a couple of different services I have 15-minute, 30-minute, and hour-long what I call spirit chat phone calls. And during that time, it's completely my client's time. Sometimes we designate that to intuitive mentorship and coaching in terms of harnessing their own gifts and being able to develop them. Sometimes people use that just to ask me questions because they need some clarity in terms of maybe some circumstances or things that are going on in their life. Perhaps they've been scared by a particular situation and they want clarity on that. I also do meet your spirit guide sessions Um, during those sessions. They're some of my faves. What we do is I introduce you to three of your spirit guides, the three that most wish to connect with you. Now we get their names and their descriptions in past life connections that you two shared. We find out what guide they are specifically in terms of their role now in your life. And then we find out how you can begin connecting with them moving forward. And
0: see, that is so cool. And you know what what's funny is I I need a session with you. You know, we've never done that for me at all. Isn't that funny? I, I've never even done that with you. So I'll have to book a session with you and, and we'll have to work it out. <laughs> I'll do is I will add all of your information or just I think you have a link tree I'll add that to my show notes because Christina as usual you have been fantastic and amazing and you always are so good at answering my questions and answering even my listeners questions because I get emails and they're like hey do one on demons or do one on crystals or whatever and I was just thinking well let me just do one and all you know let me just cover everything and this works out great it's just a this is more like a cliff notes i mean we probably could talk about this for hours but at least we have a little bit of a rundown and christina's you know views on it because i'm telling you guys i trust her i know she is the person to talk to you about this so thank you again honey for joining me today
1: thank you so much for having me it's always such a pleasure thank you so much leslie